What do you think about role models? What do you think about having people in your life that you can look up to and people who you can strive to emulate? Perhaps you've got a role model, an idol, someone who you'd love to be like further down the line, someone in the world of sport or someone in the, the world of business or whatever industry or profession that you're involved in. I actually think that having a role model is a really helpful thing. That if we, as individuals, have goals that we want to achieve, to have someone who is further down the road than us, someone who has maybe achieved the things that we hope to achieve at some point in our lives, being able to look to them, to learn from them, to follow from their, in their footsteps can be a really helpful thing for you and I. Well, we're in Acts chapter 20 still, and we're going to be looking at a slightly longer passage this morning. It's a passage in which Paul offers himself as a role model to a group of leaders from one of the churches that he has helped establish. It's a passage that's referred to as Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. And although he doesn't say it in as many words, as we read it together, I think you'll get the sense that Paul is really hoping, wanting them to be people who follow him as he follows Jesus. We're in Acts chapter 20, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. We, this is Dr. Luke writing, went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot, and when he met us at Assos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day we set sail from there and arrived at Chios, and the day after we crossed over to Samos, and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent on to Ephesus for the elders of the church, and when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. 
Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. So Paul doesn't say it in as many words, but you can see, can't you, in this speech, the only communication, really, speech, sermon given in the book of Acts that's addressed purely to believers, that Paul has in mind that they would remember in a positive light how he had conducted himself amongst them and that he has the same sort of desires for them as they lead the church. And while this is primarily a passage that we might go to to think about the sorts of people who might be leaders, overseers, elders in the church, this is a passage and, and an idea which is applicable to all of us. Who is it in our life that we will be following as we seek to become more and more like Jesus? You know, as a church, that is our, our mission, isn't it? To know Jesus more. Who is it that we can look to as role models, be imitators of, when it comes to knowing Jesus more and making Jesus more known? Well, I think in this passage we see at least three things. Three things that we should be looking for in another individual if they're going to be the sorts of people who we should imitate, as we should have as role models in our lives. And for each of those examples, I think if we, if we consider the opposite, we'll, we'll see how tempting it can be, but actually how vapid and useless it truly is. So what is the, the first thing then? If we're looking for someone to walk ahead of us, if we're looking for someone to follow as we walk this path, run the race, as Paul puts it, uh, that Jesus Christ has laid before us, what's the first thing that we're looking for? Well, I think it's obvious from this speech that Paul's relationship with his people was intimate, wasn't it? Paul knew them. It speaks about him speaking publicly, but also declaring the truth house to house. He's open with them. He says, you know this about me. You know that about me. There are tears on his part. There are tears on their part. There is a real closeness and an intimacy here. So I would put it to you that the first thing that we should be looking for in someone we can follow is someone who is knowable. Now, when it comes to having role models, I remember as children when we all still had aspirations of being professional footballers or uh, professional rugby players or something like that. We'd have these sportsmen and these sportswomen who we looked up to who had achieved great things 
But in reality, they would have made useless role models for us because we didn't know them, because we weren't close to them, because we couldn't actually see how they lived their lives, how they prepared themselves for the tasks ahead. We weren't around when they were similar ages to us, climbing the ladder up through the pyramid and the levels in the system in order to get where they were when we began idolizing them. No, Paul says that one of the reasons they can imitate him is because that they knew him. And it should be the same for us. Now, it's very tempting in our modern world, our connected world, our digital world, a world that is saturated with glitz and glamour and consumerism, that we might take for ourselves role models in the Christian life, folks to follow from the internet, from social media, from celebrities that exist within the Christian world, people who gather an audience around them and have high production values around them, who speak and declare in great and grand ways, in, in wonderful settings and, and big stadia and things like that. But when you stop and when you think about it, how useless is that? to have as a role model someone who you can't see, someone who you can't know, someone who you can't consider and question and relate to. That's one of the wonderful things about the local church. It should be one of the wonderful things about the local church, that it provides us with this sea of people who we can know, whose lives we can look into, and we can see the good and the bad. Role models don't only exist to show us the positive. Very often role models can be there to serve as a warning. Ways in which older Christians have um, not just succeeded in becoming more like Christ, but where they've struggled. And we can learn from them the grace of God in dealing with those struggles and overcoming those struggles. Who is it that you're following? Who is it that you have as a role model? Who is it that you want to become more like on your journey to become more like Jesus? Is it someone that you know? If it's not, change something. Make it someone that you know. Do you say, I don't know anyone in the church? Well, be about the work of finding someone in the church. The two ways in our church, at least, that we think are the best way to get alongside someone and to know someone is to be in a home group with them, a rooted group, or to serve alongside them in a ministry. Over and over and over again, it has proven itself true that in our church that real relationships, real bonds, deep things that can be um, called upon in times of need and distress are only forged in one of those two arenas. That simply coming and sitting and exchanging pleasantries with one another on a Sunday, important as that is, enjoyable as that may be, isn't what we really need. We need to be with people. We need to be with people in the mud and the mire and the day-to-day. -day. We need to be with people at the core face of living for Jesus and speaking for Jesus and serving Jesus and making Jesus more known. That's when we'll encounter people who we can know in this sort of way. And that's where we'll actually see and learn from one another, the important lessons of how it is that we progress with Christ. So there's the first thing. In this 
race, this journey that we call the Christian life. Have someone who you can know. Have someone who you can see and follow as they follow Jesus. The second thing, though, that Paul highlights is this. Not just the closeness that he has with them, but the openness, the honesty, the truthfulness, the faithfulness that he has in what he shares with them. Loads of different times, loads of different ways in this passage, he speaks about his word as teaching, proclaiming, declaring the word of God, the the good news of God's grace, the, the kingdom of God, the gospel. See, Paul is someone who wasn't shy to speak the truth. He says, I have um, no blood on my hands when it comes to you. I've been open, I've been honest, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks alike that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. We need to choose someone who is knowable, but we should also choose someone who is faithful and bold and courageous in how they speak and declare and share Jesus. Think about the opposite. Again, in this world of glitz and glamour and subscribers and filling stadia, it's very easy for those who would step back from the truth, take the path of least resistance, say the things that will elicit a positive response rather than cherishing the truth, the truth of the good news which is a difficult news sometimes for us to hear. Remember the warning, similar warning that Paul shared with Timothy. We were thinking about this a couple of weeks ago when he wrote his final letter to Timothy chapter four. He said, be someone who is bold and courageous to correct and rebuke and exhort folks from the word of God because a time is coming, a time has come when people will gather around them speakers and teachers who say just the things that they want to hear. It's easy to point the finger outside and say, oh, look at that group doing that. Look at this group doing that. But we can certainly do that ourselves, can't we? That we have this idea, this formula of how gospel presentation must go, of how someone's um, testimony must sound, that there are our particular hobby horses. And if somebody checks those boxes, then we're happy. But if they go further than that, Absolutely not. Or if somebody is speaking or teaching that they're speaking to this imaginary unbeliever, non-believer in the room, but as soon as they challenge me, well, that's too far. It's far too easy in our modern world to pick and to choose and to simply follow people who say nice things or things that we already agree with, things that we simply already know that aren't willing to poke and prod and provoke and encourage and exhort us and challenge us and create in us this sense of discontent that we have with our spiritual lives. But Paul says, I was someone who was faithful. I was someone who was bold. I was someone who was courageous, even in the face of opposition. I told you the truth. And you're choosing a role model Choose someone who is willing, who will be willing to speak the truth to you. To not just wrap a warm hug around you, 
to not just give you like a cup of cocoa when you're feeling down, but someone who has the words of truth, the words of life, the words of light that all of us truly need. Choose someone, look for someone who is going to be faithful as they lead you towards Christ. That's the second thing. The first one, someone who is knowable. The second is someone who is faithful. The last one that I'm gonna highlight this morning is this. Someone who is willing to sacrifice. Someone who is willing to sacrifice for your sake. Throughout Paul's speech, there are hints, there are highlights of this, that he was willing to be faithful even in the face of opposition. That he knows that wherever the Spirit leads him, the Spirit also warns him that hardship and prison awaits. He doesn't fall back from that. But he also highlights so clearly, doesn't he, that as he was with them, he wasn't a burden to them. That he didn't see this church, this congregation, this place as a place that he could go to enrich himself. But he was willing to, to earn his own keep. He was willing to be the one who put in the hard yards, the hard labour, so that he might help the weak. He even quotes this from Jesus, doesn't he? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Again, let's consider the opposite of that in our modern world, that many people will take us on as protégés. Many people will be willing to mentor us or to speak into our lives, to tell us how it should be, but only at a cost to us, only when it enriches them. We don't want to follow someone who is only worth following when they gain from it. Paul says that truly, to, that for him to be someone who might lead, who might lead by example, means to be someone who is willing to sacrifice, to count the cost, willing to invest in others, even when it means depleting his own resources. A role model needs to be someone who is willing to sacrifice for your growth, someone who is willing to sacrifice for your progress, who is willing to sacrifice for you to become more and more like Christ. Again, if I think about uh, perhaps not those sporting mentors, but in a sort of a more grown-up attitude, those folks who are willing to give lessons on leadership and life and how things should be. So many of them are only willing to do it if you buy their book, if you go on their course, attend their conference, if you do this or do that when it's convenient and safe and at a distance. No, we need to be following people who are willing to sacrifice, to count the cost of their times and their energy and their efforts and their emotion, who are happy to see us grow even if it means their resources being depleted. Your role model, your mentor, your idol in the Christian life, as it were, should be someone who is willing to sacrifice. Now, with that shopping list in mind, where do we go from there? Well, let me just point out as well that for all of us, there is the potential that others might be following us as we journey after Christ. And these aren't just a, a checklist for us to go around and pass judgment on others, but there's something that we should be considering for ourselves. Are we people who are knowable? Are we people who are faithful, committed to the truth? 
Are we people who are willing to sacrifice for others or are we only willing to be in it for ourselves and our own gain? You see, Paul was highlighting these things in his own life, in his own ministry, because he wanted the Ephesian elders to live likewise. And he wanted them to live likewise so that the congregation would live likewise. All of us will have little watching eyes on us in church life. I said that was the blessing of the local church, that there's a sea of people to choose from that we can know, that we can draw close to. But likewise, that means that there's a sea of people, folks who are in different stages of life, folks who are in different stages of their Christian development, the kids who grow up in our church who are watching. And whether we like it or not, maybe seeking to imitate us, to follow us, to learn from us, understand something of what the Christian life is like just by observing us. Are you someone who is knowable? Are you someone who is faithful? Are you someone who is willing to sacrifice for your brothers and your sisters and your co-laborers? I hope that you are. And I hope that you are, not just because it will make our church better, and it will, not just because it will make my job easier when our church is better, but because all of this, all of what Paul is advocating for and sharing for, is actually all of what we see in Jesus. Elsewhere, Paul puts it explicitly. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And we can go through this list and we can think about how Jesus is the one who ultimately we are following. Jesus is the one who is the epitome of all these things. It makes it easier, practically speaking, in our lives to have a person who we can see struggle and make mistakes and refine and twist. But ultimately, Jesus is the example that we need to be following, isn't it? See, Jesus was someone who is knowable. Just think about that. The fact that we can know God at all is a remarkable thing. That God is the sort of God who wants us to know him. And not just know about him, but to know him intimately. We've been looking in the book of Hebrews, haven't we? In Rooted, that begins with this wonderful declaration that in, in the days gone by, God has spoken in so many weird and wonderful and special ways, but now he has spoken in the person, the coming of Christ. That if we want to know God, we look to Jesus, who is God made flesh, to walk and talk and live and move amongst us. See, Jesus someone was someone who wasn't keen to stay far away, who wasn't happy just to be far off, but he came close in that sort of universe sense, in, the, in all of creation, stepped down from glory into our world. But even in our world, Jesus still wasn't someone who shied away. There are times in the gospel, of course, when we read about Jesus seeking solitude and silence because that's important to us as people. That's something we can imitate and learn from him. But Jesus was always willing to be with the people and not just the big crowds, but wanted to be close, one-to-one -one with people, to see them, for them to see him and to know him and to relate to him. We have a saviour who wants to be known, who is knowable. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? 
not just known about, but to know him. We have a saviour also who is faithful, faithful to the truth. Now it's very easy to pick and choose and to highlight certain things that Jesus says. But when we read through the gospel, we see that he says things that so often shock us and surprise us on both ends of the spectrum. You know, Jesus went about shocking people with the love and the grace that he spoke about. You have heard it said, love your neighbours, hate your enemies. I have told you, love your neighbours and pray for those who persecute you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone demands your cloak, give them your cloak and your sandals and, and everything that you have. Jesus shocked people. Jesus surprised people when he, when he welcomed and he ex- accepted certain groups of sinners and what have you. But he can also shock us, can't he? He can shock us with how clear and honest he is about the need to repent, the need to change our ways, the depth of our depravity. Even just by looking and seeing the fact that Christ had to go to the cross speaks something to us of the the devastation of sin and our need to repent and to turn to him, to trust in him, to rely on him and him alone for our life and our salvation for our acceptance with God, for our forgiveness, for our renewal, for our hope beyond this grave. Jesus wasn't someone who shied away from speaking truth. He was faithful. He was committed to the truth. In his lips, there was not just the absence of lies, but there was the the presence of the truth that we need. Whether that's comfortable or uncomfortable, and we'd like to pick and choose Jesus is someone who was faithful ultimately. And Jesus so clearly was someone who sacrificed. When you think about Jesus's life, when you think about Jesus's ministry, there was no gain for Christ in what he did. As he set his face resolutely for Jerusalem and what lay ahead there, there was no gain for that man. When he invited himself to Zacchaeus's house for dinner, there was no gain for him. Oh, he was free board and lodge. There was Jesus spending himself to enrich those around him who needed it. Jesus said that he was coming to proclaim freedom and life and release. He, he gained nothing from it and was willing to spend so much. We look to him as someone who was willing to sacrifice even his own life for our benefit. So we have that role model. We have that pattern to follow, to cling to, to to want to be not just a truth out there in our world, but but a life lived by each one of us. And God has blessed us with men and women and examples all around who are making that journey. Who have, by the power of God, by the grace of God, by the the Spirit of God at work in them, have gotten closer to the end goal, to the finishing line, which is to be found in Jesus' image. Thank God for the role models that 
do exist in the church, the role models that might exist in the church. Thank God for the opportunity to be a role model, but I thank God ultimately that Christ came and redefined what it is to be a human to, to our benefit. Thank God that Christ, in Christ, God came and showed us what life can truly be like. It's for those of us who are found in him, my prayer is that we will get closer to him, that we will follow after him, even as we follow after one another. Lord, make us more like your son. Make us more like Jesus, who makes you known, who speaks your truth, who gives so that we can be blessed. I thank you for the men and the women in our church specifically, who have begun that journey before us, who have made more progress on that journey, following after Jesus. Lord, I pray by their example, each and every one of us will be moving forward, knowing your grace more and more in our